On the first night of our time together, I mentioned a miracle that God has performed in allowing us to um, participate in an Amazon Prime, an Amazon Freebie series, docu-series uh, called God Family Football, and how the Amazon people were so impressed and so touched by this series that they determined that they were going to create an entirely different tranche of entertainment called Faith and Family. And it, um, it's an amazing thing when you pray. God, allow us to invade every kingdom of the world. How many of you understand that is the will of God? But it's another thing when you see God supernaturally do such a thing. And the uh, one stipulation that I had was that they keep the miracles in. And they keep the name of Jesus in. And they keep the prayer in. We assured them there will be people that understand it. And even the people that don't understand it are going to love it. Since that time, we have finished all six of the first season's episodes. And um, there have been two broad tests that have been done on this, this series. Uh, they tested it with five different groups. I don't know all of them, but I know they tested it with a football group, and it got the highest rating. They tested it with the faith group, and it got the highest rating. They tested it with those that have no faith, and it got the highest rating. And so we are excited about this coming out. And you'll be able to, to see it uh, on Amazon Prime or Amazon Freebie, whichever of those that you have. And it will be binge-worthy because uh, it will all come out at once. So you can watch them one at a time or one every other day. Or you can watch them all one night with popcorn and have no energy the next day. But... Um, you mind if I show you a preview? Can we, do we have that back there that we can, uh, we can put up? It's God Family Football. I had no root in myself. I, I didn't make the right kind of commitment. The kind of commitment that said no matter what happens, no matter how many times I fall on my face, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to keep going forward. Thank you for the focus and the fundamentals, and we will have victory. The magic might be back around here. Coming September 1, all right? And uh, the reason I had an ulterior motive for showing you that, really, because I need you to pray. Uh, I have a dear son in the Lord who um, 
is in Bogota. That's, that's where he ministers and he travels around the world, but he has a tremendous, not prophetic gift, but he operates in the office of a prophet. I don't know if you know the difference, but you know, I operate in a prophetic gift. Pastor Mark operates in a prophetic gift. Many of you do. And that's when, you know, occasionally God will give you something, you'll prophesy. But a man or a woman who operates in the office of a prophet, they bring their environment with them. In other words, they don't need you to play something nice on the piano for them to get in the anointing. They just give you a word. And when um, I called him about this, this is what he said. He said, the Lord says this to you, Pastor Denning. And he said it, of course, through a translator. He said, this will be your greatest altar of your life. And he said, God is going to use it as Hollywood's altar. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see people transformed in that cesspool called Hollywood? To see them come to Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful to see them delivered from that kind of bondage? Well, I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. Will you please? And this is what I want to happen. I'm going to ask that. Pastor Mark, come right now, and um, you don't have to come up, Pastor. I'll just hand it to you right here, and I want you, I want you already get mic, and I want you to pray right now for God to anoint this and make it what He wants it to be, and I want all of you to pray as well. Would you do that? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. That you take us places we did yeah. not know we would ever go. That's right. You allow us to do things we never imagined we could do. Yes. Father, your anointing goes before us. Your Holy Spirit makes a way for us. You empower us. Amen. You anoint us. You equip us. You give us a voice. Yeah. You give us your mind, your heart. And so, yes. God, together as a, the body of Christ tonight, we just agree with our brother Danny. We pray, God, for your favor. We pray, God, for television sets, for e computers, for Jesus. laptops, Jesus. for the handheld devices to, to hold and to transmit the Spirit of God all across this nation. We know the, the interest in football. We know the desire for family and, God, the hunger for God ultimately. So, God... Use these, these items together. Lord God, bring them in unity to our nation. Let there be a great harvest. Let there be great indwelling of your spirit through what people would hear and outpouring of your spirit through what people would hear. We pray, oh God, for the salvation of the lost. As that is why you have opened this door. So God, let it be so. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I, uh, I can't say enough about what you mean to us personally. Um, what I say to your face, I say behind your back. I say all over this nation, wherever I go, they're having, they have something special there that you don't find every day. In fact, you're a once-in-a-lifetime discovery for me. I've never been anywhere like this. I have never um, found it easier to fit in with a group of people than it has been for us here. Deons and I walk around these grounds, and you're smiling and conversational and, and so gracious. 
And I want to tell you, it just feels like a little bit of heaven when you come right here to this special, special place. And so we want to thank you. I want to thank Pastor Mark. I want to um, thank all of you for all that you have done this week to make us feel welcome. You know, I, I, I can just tell you, uh, over the years, I can just have snapshots of moments right here in this tabernacle. Uh, Life-changing, altering moments, I know for so many, but also for us. Uh, we who have had the opportunity to come here and be among you for a few days. Hallelujah. Well, I am going to uh, ask you to stand one last time. I don't mean that I've gotten a word of knowledge that your life is about to end. When I said last time, that sounded kind of ominous. <laughs> one more time tonight, maybe. These are the words of Jesus, and I want you just to listen to them and follow along on the screen. Woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Now, these words of Jesus describe the futility of success in the universal pursuits of mankind. There's not a society, a culture in the world that cannot relate to every pursuit that he mentioned. The pursuit of wealth. The pursuit of the basic necessities of life. The pursuit of laughter and mirth and a good time. The pursuit of the approval and the favor of other people. Reminds me of a popular song when I was in high school, actually. Is that all there is? The haunting melody of this song written by Dan Daniels. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball if that's all there is. Then... It's as if Jesus shifts so quickly into the mystery mode of his teaching. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus can seem to be drilling down on a subject, and then all of a sudden he says something that just makes you ask, how in the world did he go there from there? He moves from decreeing the futility of man's pursuits to addressing the most difficult of our shared human relational challenges. He talks about our pain. This is what he says, but to you who are listening, 
I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then here is the bombshell of the whole monologue. Then your reward will be great and you will be the children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Let's pray. Father, I pray that during the next few minutes that you'll speak a word that will encourage your people. Lord, that's what I ask. And I pray that you will break them free from the bondage that they may be in tonight because of the season of life that they are going through in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Speaking to you tonight on the subject of success God's way, the David illustration. The David illustration. All of us know about David. He's probably a lot of your favorite character. How many of you will raise your hand just and say, that's my favorite character in the Bible. Come on, raise your hand all over this place. You're going to prove me wrong. There are only six of you. Um, David was a man after God's own heart. We've heard that and read it. What does that mean? Well, his heart resembled God's heart. He had a good perspective of life and all of its complexities and challenges. But more important than that, he had a God perspective of life and all its complexities and challenges. He was also a man after or in pursuit of God's heart. He desired success, but he wanted it God's way. God's very heart is what he longed for. God's values, God's character, God's reasoning and reaction. God's values were the marksman David's most treasured target in life. And we know David lived under the old covenant established by the law of Moses. You know, we that are under the new covenant of grace established by the cross of Christ have an easier time beholding the heart and the character of our God. John 1 and 12 says it this way. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of a Father, full of grace and truth. But under the old covenant, it was more difficult. 
And so God would pull certain men or women aside to himself. And he would reveal himself. Abraham walked with God as friend to friend. Moses spoke and communicated with God face to face. And yet, David is at the top of the list. His revelation of the Father is second to none. He desired the heart of God. He was imperfect. He failed so many times. And he did it in such a grand style. You think that he's going to be kicked to the curb. But just when you count him out, he is once again in hot pursuit of the very character and the heart of his sovereign. 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, David begins a streak of success in men's eyes that is unparalleled in human history. He kills Goliath. And that is the greatest victory of all human history. How in the world, after all of these centuries, do sports writers still call up that comparison. It's going to be a David and Goliath challenge because it's the greatest victory in battle of all time. And then in chapter 18, he returns from finishing the Philistine battalion that ran from the Israelis after that victory over Goliath. And as he and Saul and the armies of Israel come back through the streets to the ticker tape parade and everyone is celebrating them. The ladies in town have already made up a great song, a great cheer. And they're saying Saul killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. Then Saul gets jealous and he gives him an impossible task. Now I'm not going to explain what this means to your children, but what I can tell you is this is that if it's in the Bible, it's okay to talk about it in church. But you've got to explain it to your kids when you go home. Saul said, bring me 100 foreskins of Philistine warriors. And David brought him 200. This guy just could not be defeated. He could miss. He was on a streak of success that was incredible. Then in chapter 19, a new war breaks out. And this is what is said about David. It says, David inflicted a great defeat on them. And you know, I'm always like looking for new ways to get my team fired up. So when I read this, I thought, I'm using that this season. I said, I'm going to tell our boys before the game, I want you to inflict a great defeat on them. No one will understand it but me. But this is the streak of success that David was enjoying in men's eyes. And then, 1 Samuel 18 and 19, we have the summation of this wonderful opening chapter of the conquering king's life. This future 
anointed one that would one day sit on the throne judging Israel. This young, bright, good-looking guy who was not only a warrior, he was a composer. He was not only into physical activity and conquest, but he was into the arts. This guy who was what we would call today a renaissance man, God's hero, everything he touched turned to gold. And it says this, David was successful in all his undertakings. How many of you like seasons like that? How many of you love it when the church is really growing? Come on now, be honest. How many of you know that it's just a little more fun to go to lunch on Sunday afternoon when you've just broken an attendance record? How many of you understand when the altars were full, that makes for a good week? How many of you know when you take an offering and surprisingly somebody put in a big check that you love that feeling of success? All of us love those seasons when there is such obvious success. But then everything changed. Everything changed for David almost immediately. Almost immediately. Everything turns. Everything changes. In return for David risking his life for his king, Saul hated him and determined to kill him. The rewards he'd been promised for killing the giant were now taken from him, including his place at the king's table and the princess that he had married. He was thrust into a season when he didn't know who to trust. You ever been there? He had to run and hide in fields and caves and lies were told about his role during this time. His never wavering loyalty to Saul seemed to be of absolutely no value in this season. There was just so much confusion, such a swirling of the confusion around him. Everything was upside down. And there seemed to be nothing he or anybody else could do about it. Now let me just stop right here and say, that's exactly where some of you are. Some of you right now have gone through reversals recently that you absolutely don't understand. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But just all of a sudden, people got mean. You and your wife, you and your husband, behind closed doors, weep over this season of your life. It's just not like the early days. The joy. The excitement, the energy, all that was a part of the birthing of that church in the beginning suddenly turns. No more roses, just thorns. 
And what in the world are you going to do? Why is it that the success has suddenly stopped? As David and his men were hiding in a cave, David wrote these words. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. You ever been there? I have. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see. There's no one at my right hand. No one concerned for me. Have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you're my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they're too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. You see, there are a lot of psalms like this. And if you notice the pattern, the pattern is David starts by pouring his heart out to God about the reversals in his life. And then he ends most of these chapters in a moment of reflection and praise and glory and hope. Because David was different. David was a man after God's own heart because he understood that it was great to win battles and to kill giants and to be popular with everyone in the street. It was great to sit at the king's table and to marry the king's daughter and to have your needs met. It was great to be right on schedule for the throne. But his perception and spiritual insight that was given to him by God, I believe the moment that the oil from Samuel's flask hit his head, told him there is success in this reversal. And there was. Brothers and sisters, this may be one of the most important messages that I have ever had the privilege to bring to individuals like you, especially those that are in Christian ministry. The reversal of your fortunes, listen to me, are almost always a sign that God has now begun to prepare you for His prophetic plan. Leave it up there. The reversal of your fortunes may be a sign that God has now begun to prepare you for His prophetic plan. You see, here's the fact. No leader is prepared to lead by success. A leader is only prepared to lead by struggle. No leader is prepared to lead 
by just stepping up to the plate and knocking it out of the park every time you have a chance. No. You're not going to lead until God sees how you act when you strike out. When you're in a slump. When you can't hit the curveball. God wants leaders that have been forged in the fire of adversity and are then able to stand before congregations where people are going through pain and people are going through difficulties in life and people are brokenhearted and people are divorced and people's kids have gone south spiritually and he's going to have something to say from his soul. Because that's the way God trains us for success. Some of you right now are going through the most difficult time of your life and you'd do anything in the world to get out of it. And let me tell you something. I'd do anything in the world to get you out of it too. I've prayed with some of you around these altars this week. More than anything in the world, I want you to be healed. More than anything in the world, I want your children to be okay. More than anything, when I'm praying for you, I want you to have a reversal of your fortunes when it comes to your leadership position and the kind of pain that you're going through emotionally because of the things that you're experiencing that are unjust. But I must tell you that when He has tried you, you will come forth as pure gold. I have a worship leader that's extraordinary. I'm just telling you. Folks, may I just tell you this? There aren't many people like him on the planet. Uh, I see Maverick City. God bless him. I love him. I'd rather have Alex. Alex can play. I mean, Alex can play like you can't believe talking to me on the front row. If I'm trying to get his attention to change something, He'll just be playing and, yes, sir, I got it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, Alex has got some nuances and things that he has to struggle with. One is being on time. He's an artist. And I will never forget talking to him early when he came to work for me about being on time, being um, responsible with his schedule and and he left me hanging. In fact, he left me hanging with the biggest event that I had that entire year because he had something else that he had obligated himself to. And Alex wanted to work for me so bad that he was working for not very much money. So he was having to do some playing some other places. And I looked around for him in this big event and he wasn't there. I'd already warned him several times. So I fired him. I said, Alice, you're done. I said, I love you. But, you know, we've had this conversation. I can't go forward with this. I got up Sunday morning, the next Sunday morning. He's sitting in the audience, right on the aisle. He's sitting right there. I said, well, I guess he decided to come back one Sunday. The next Sunday, he's sitting there again. Next Sunday, he's sitting there again. Next Sunday, he's sitting there again. Next Sunday, something goes wrong with the sound. He looks around. Nobody's tending to it. 
He gets up and goes and runs the sound. Comes back and sits there. Finally, I called him in. I said, I can't even fire you, can I? I said, you're just going to keep coming. And he looked at me and he said, where am I going to go? You're my dad. I said, well, son, it'll be difficult for you to ever get fired again after saying that. He's wonderful. He's conscientious. He's precious. And he's godly. I was having lunch with him um, last week and he was struggling to get our EP is that what they call them now the five song kind of thing I think that's what they call them somebody help me here EP yeah okay to get the EP finished all right and so he had uh, we had had guys producing that and you know he wasn't satisfied and so he was in doing all this and he was having to do it with a deadline, and it was just a lot of pressure. But here he is actually producing our EP from our church. That's You can go get it and listen to it online. I mean, it's wonderful. And, and I said, well, how are you doing? He said, you know, he said, it's, I'm under pressure with this thing. And then he looked at me and he said, Dad, he said, I'm just going to tell you. He said, the things that are overwhelming me right now are all the things I ask God to do. How many of you can relate to that? The things that I'm overwhelmed with are the things that I ask God to do. Did you understand that David wouldn't have had any problem at all had Samuel not walked into that cottage and opened that flask of oil and poured it over his head and declared that he was to be the king? Do you know that all of his problems came from a declaration on earth and in heaven that this man was going to be the chosen one and would be a man after God's own heart? I want to say this to you and I want you to get it deep in your spirit because David was a man after God's own heart because he got it. He worked it out verbally. He worked it out in prayer. He worked it out as he wrote, or either he dictated to a scribe. I don't know how it happened, but he would work it all out until he was able to work himself back to a place to understand that the tough stuff that was going on in his life was going to result in the glory and the will of God being performed in and through him. What you need to understand is this. If you hadn't asked God to grow your church, you wouldn't be going through this problem. The devil would have left you alone. If, if you had not determined that you were going to use that business to glorify God and that you were going to be a paymaster so that this camp could be blessed and so that the ministries to human trafficking could be blessed and so that the rehab centers could be blessed and the homes for unwed mothers could be blessed. You know that you would be fine right now, but the fact is you went and shot your mouth off and said, I'm going to do something great for God and I am going to be used to the Lord and I will not live a boring, mundane, uneventful life. And at that point, you became a target 
not just for the enemy, not just for the world, and not just for your flesh, but also for Almighty God. God said, then I've got to get him ready. The principle is always the same, isn't it? It's the tough times that qualify you. I uh, will never forget getting a phone call that disturbed me. One of our coaches at our school had been accused of some terrible things. He had not lied to me in 15 years that he'd worked for me, pastor, so I confronted him. I looked him right in the eye. I said, did you do these things? And he said, I did not. So I stood by him. But when I stood by him, it was the most delightful move I had ever made in the hearing of Lucifer because he was going to take this thing and he was going to blow it up bigger than you could believe. I was on the front page of the Shreveport Times 16 times. I was called an extortioner, blackmailer, cover-up artist. I loved the other family that was involved. I reached out to them. But then came a lawsuit. The man was not arrested. They spent 11 months and a lot of money with their two best homicide detectives going over every shred of evidence, talking to everyone that could be talked to without any corroborative evidence. But still, there's this lawsuit now, and they want the insurance money, of course, from the school. Now, that wasn't what bothered me. What bothered me is that I was the son of Rodney Duran. Rodney Duran, that when he died... All three network stations ran the story of his death as their lead story for two nights. Rodney Durhunt, who had secular news journalists stand in videos in front of our church and say a Shreveport legend has died today. A man who loved God and loved people. A man who had a pristine reputation. A man who not only kept it together for himself and his church and his family, but he was a credit to the Lord God with the purity of everything that happened. And now I am in a horrible scandal. I didn't create it. I'm not doing anything they accuse me of. But it has become salacious beyond belief because now Pastor Denny 
is involved. We've got to tie him to it so we can get the insurance money. I just waited. I'll never forget when the investigators came to me and they said, Pastor, we found nothing. I said, well, this is true. I said, I was as interested in your investigation as you were. I want you to understand because I want the truth. I was praying one day, and I started laughing. I started laughing because what happens is this. I've got this sick sense of humor, and I'm going to tell you what it is. It's this. It's that the worse something gets, the more I'm probably going to laugh. I can't. I don't, I'm sorry. Forgive me for that, but it's just the truth. I wasn't laughing at the situation. I was laughing at the fact that I was in so much trouble and hadn't done anything to deserve it. And so I'm taking it to God, and I'm, I started praying. This is what I prayed. I said, I said, God, my dad was the pastor of this church for 40 years. And I said, his reputation was pristine. And I said, here, I've, I've had this church for about three years now, and it looks as though, by no fault of my own, that I have ruined everything. I said, I don't even know how I did it. But here I am. I'm on the front page. 16 times also on the front page with the color picture at the, with the Dallas Morning News. Also on the Sunday edition on the front page with the color picture with the Houston Chronicle. Also in the Los Angeles Times. Also in the Wall Street Journal. Also in the New York Post. Everywhere in this country, this was a huge story. I mean, everybody wanted to know about the Christian school. It had football. It had sex. It had Jesus. It had church. It had a Minister, I mean, it just couldn't be a better story. And I said, God, what is this about? What is this about? What do I do? Here's what you have to understand about trouble. God didn't create it. The disease that you're facing, every disease on this planet comes from the devil. This is a fallen realm. God didn't create a world with disease. Do I hear an amen? Amen. That rejection that you've experienced from your spouse, that's not of God. God didn't send that trial. Don't you ever blame that on God. The, the sin that you found yourself in that caused you to forfeit some things that were very important to you and important to the Lord, don't you ever say God tempted you because God is not tempted by evil. Neither does he tempt with evil. We are drawn away by our own lust and enticed. And when sin is... and when Sin is, and when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. None of that is God. But when the trouble comes, when the hardship comes, God will use it. I said, God, what's this all about? Here I am in this big jam. God, I didn't do anything. Like David, it all turned around so quickly. Like David, it all changed overnight. The Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said, and I want you to listen. He said, you were the one who asked me for a city. He said, you know, I've blessed everything you've ever done. He said, when you were a college quarterback, I made you a twice national championship in Division II. He said, you know what? 
You weren't even that good. I did that. He said, when you started preaching, at 17 years old, I fell on you with my anointing. I opened doors for you all over America. I was the one who did that. You didn't do that. I have blessed your kids. I have blessed your marriage. I have blessed your school, your school, your football team, 14 state championships. Y'all weren't that good. I did that for my glory. Everything in your life has been blessed. He said, but you say you want a city to fall into my hands. He said, and the truth is, there aren't a lot of people in this city that can relate to all that success. But let me tell you about your city, Pastor. Everybody in your city has trouble. And I am allowing you to walk through your trouble on the front page of the newspaper. He said, don't flinch. This is your finest hour. Some of you are sitting there, and I can hear what you're saying. I don't know if I'd go that far. My friend, the trouble you have is not of God. But God will use it to defeat the enemy soundly in your life and to open doors that you never dreamed would fly open in your life. You want success God's way? This is the way God does it. He does it providentially. He uses everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for a piece of the mosaic of your destiny that He is creating every day of your life. You know what we do? We want to save the victories, don't we? We want to put those in the trophy case. But we do not want to save the difficult things that happen, the attacks, the failures, the shortcomings. In fact, we wad them up and we throw them away as far from us as we can. But what you don't understand is that you have one who is building you, who runs quickly over and with nail-scarred hands, he takes that moment that you threw away and he says, oh, no, 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 we're going to use this as a part of the destiny that I am putting together. Your future is not dependent just on the good times, the times when you obeyed, the times when you came through, the times when people acted right, the times when you took a right and not a left, the times when you didn't crash and burn. But your destiny and future in God depends upon an almighty sovereign who is able to use every single moment in your life for your Success. This is what God spoke to me. He said, set up. And I did. He said, don't miss anything. He said, this is the stuff you're going to talk to pastors about. Hallelujah. 
And I've talked to pastors about this all over the globe. All I can tell you is this. Our God has a way and means of making you successful that does not take a detour around the valley or around the desert place. Our God is able to use every single thing providentially for your good. Now, I need some help with this last illustration because I think that it's an important one. And then we're going to have a moment of God moving in and doing wonderful things in our lives. Um, I need, uh, let's see, can, can I just have you two right here come here? Yes, and the, all three of you. Could all three of you come here? Could you just sit here? Could you just sit right here? Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Okay. Good, 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 good. Okay. Uh, would you come, please? Would you come? Come, yes, and sit, sit here as well. That'd be great. And... Uh, Give me these three young people here on the end. If you'll come, please. Would you please come? Come just sit here. Come and sit here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, please. Let me tell you about these people. They're all characters in a story. Uh, let me see here. I need to trade you for a young man. <laughs> Come on. Come on right here. Come on. Right there. Right here. Right. Just Y'all can just get ready to play, and whoever the keyboard player is, if you'll just play and... <laughs> 